0: Joshua chapter 5 is where we will be at tonight. Joshua chapter 5. We are probably not going to make it through the whole chapter. We're just going to stop at verse 9 tonight. Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. What we had looked at last week was that uh, the people of Israel are, are preparing to go into the promised land. Uh, God had stopped the Jordan River from flowing, uh, and, and this was at a time when the Jordan River was overflowing its banks. So it's not like we're talking like Brushy Creek. We're talking about a full-force uh, river that was already overflowing its banks, and God in his awesome power just cut that water off, and the water began to, to build up and... It was dry ground where the people of Israel were able to cross cross over. uh, The priests were there with the ark standing there and the people crossed over on dry ground and Joshua had told them to uh, take 12 stones to bring them out, and they hoisted them up on their shoulders, and they uh, took those stones with them to set up as a memorial so that they could remember what God had done, the mighty work that God had done, and so that their children, when they would see those, would ask, what are these for? And they could tell them the story of how great a work God had done. And And we talked about how we need to look back at our life, at those monumental, monumental moments, those those stones in our life, those times that we can... Look and say man look what God did for us and, and we can remember those things And know that God has not abandoned us And so we're picking up where we left off there last week Joshua chapter 5 Verses 1 through 9 When all the Amorite kings Across the Jordan to the west And all the Canaanite kings Near the sea Heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan Before the Israelites Until they had crossed over They lost heart and their courage failed because of the Israelites. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelite men at gibeath Harathah. This is the reason Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness along the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who had come out were circumcised, none of the people born in the wilderness along the way were circumcised, after they had come out of Egypt. For the Israelites wandered in the wilderness forty years until all the nation's men of war who came out of Egypt had died off because they did not obey the Lord. So the Lord vowed never to let them see the land He had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Joshua raised up their sons in their place. It was these he circumcised. They were still uncircumcised since they had not been circumcised along the way. After the entire nation had been circumcised, they stayed there, excuse me, they stayed where they were in the camp until they recovered. The Lord then said to Joshua, "Today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place is called Gilgal to this day. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight, and I pray that you would just uh, speak to us through your word, dear Lord. I pray that you would uh, just speak through me, that you would help me to speak the words that you want heard. God, I pray that I would uh, lay down my pride tonight, that you would take that from me, that you would hide me behind the cross, and that you would speak so that you would be glorified and that we would get something beneficial out of this, dear Lord. Uh, that your word would would impact our life and, and, and we could learn something that's going to help us to draw closer to you and help us to live for you this week in the world. And so we thank you for these words. Help us to understand them and to grow in them. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right. We saw last week a miraculous act, and that was the Jordan River Stopped. And backed up the people crossed on dry land. And we see that here in the verse we look at tonight, when all the Amorite kings across the Jordan to the west and all the Canaanite kings near the sea heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Jordan before the Israelites until they crossed over, they lost heart and their courage failed because of the Israelites. So words traveling fast, right? And, and, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. If all of a sudden the Amet River was to stop and, and it was completely dry ground, it wouldn't take long and probably until everybody in Amit County had heard. And so uh, times back then weren't any different. It, it spread fast. The other kings of the other lands, they had heard that this little rinky-dink Israel, right? Okay, so you got, you got big Egypt, and they're kind of a powerhouse back in that day. And here you've got their slaves who were the Israelites, God's people. And now what's done happened in the last few years is that the Israelites have been delivered from Egypt they have made their way through a wilderness. They have crossed through a parted uh, Red Sea. Uh, God has taken care of them uh, throughout this time. And now they have crossed over a dry Jordan River. And here are these little rinky-dinks, these former slaves of the Egyptians. They are just headed on their way to get the land that God had promised to them. And the other kings heard. And guess what? They were fearful. That's pretty understandable, right? I mean, when you see what God has done, you can understand why these kings were fearful of the Israelites that God was with. And that's something good for us to remember. is that when God is with us, what do we have to be scared of? Because when God is with us and when God leads us somewhere, He is going to put us right where He wants us as long as we are obedient to what He calls us to do. Now we saw in the text that we read tonight those who were disobedient that came out of Egypt. And guess what? They're not part of this group that center in the promised land. They had to wander around the wilderness until all of them died. And it's their children who are going to enter into the promised land because the parents were disobedient. And so God is bringing up this new generation. He's giving them an opportunity. Joshua was their leader. He's saying, look, have faith in me. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to go before you. And so here they are. They're setting out and they're getting ready in the next few chapters to go in and begin to take over this promised land. But we see something that's pretty common in Scripture here, and that is Scripture is about circumcision. Now, you guys think, man, that's all we talk about every week. we talked about it in Philippians. We've talked about it last couple weeks in Galatians, and here we're talking about it again. That's because it's all over the Bible. It's all over the New Testament. It's all over the New Testament. It was a, a, a New Testament. It was an important issue. It was a covenant that God commanded Abraham to do to his people. And that is on the eighth day they were to be circumcised. It's a physical symbol that they are God's chosen people. And what we see in the text here is that this group of young men, these next generation that we talked about, now that they have come along, the Bible says that they had not been circumcised and that Joshua was to go and circumcise these men. Now this is pretty intense because these are the men of, of war. These are the soldiers. These are old men are older men. They're not. They're not eight days old. They're not small babies, and so they have to go through this procedure, and that's kind of a scary thing, right? And especially, you got to think of the faith they had, because if you've got you no know, telling how many thousands of troops, and they all have this done, and they're. Kind of ailing for a day or two. They're not going to be on the top of their game. And so they had to have a lot of faith to trust that, hey, this is what God has called us to do. And even though we're in the enemy's territory, we're going to have faith to do what God called us to do. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelite men at Gibba Haraloth. This is the reason Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness along the way. After they came out of Egypt, though all the people who came out were circumcised, none of the people born in the wilderness along the way were circumcised after they had come out of Egypt. For the Israelites wandered in the wilderness forty years until the nations, men of war who came out of Egypt, had died off because they did not obey the Lord. So the Lord vowed never to let them see the land he had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Joshua raised up their sons in their place. It was these he circumcised. They were still circumcised since they had not been circumcised along the way. After the entire nation had been circumcised, they stayed there. They stayed where they were in the camp until they recovered. Now, I had to read all that again for me to kind of get my mind straight, so I'm sorry I had to go back to you. Go back... I threw that with you guys. But anyway, we read it again, and that that shows us the importance because uh, that that act, that human, that physical uh, thing that God commanded them to do of circumcision is repeated time and time again. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to miss the point and the importance of what God was talking about here. This was a physical symbol. This was something that that when people would see them or they could remember themselves that, look, this is a physical symbol that we are part of. Of God that we are God's chosen people. It was a reminder that they were to follow God's commands, that they were to obey God's laws, and that they were not to get off track. But it's so much deeper than a physical thing because what Deuteronomy says, we're not even talking about the New Testament. Even God in the Old Testament explained to them what the real purpose of this was, what the real uh, point of this was. Deuteronomy chapter 10, if you want to turn there, you can. It's just a few pages back in your Bible before Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16. And while for the Israelites, the command of circumcision was a command that they physically had to obey because that was part of what they were supposed to do back in that day, while we're not, uh, we don't have to do that today as Christians. The point of it is what is important. The point, of us, the point of it is what affects us as Christians that we need to focus on. Ch- uh, chapter 10, verse 16. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16 says this. Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. There's the key word, heart. See, it was, a, it was an issue of the heart. And that was that the people needed to have a repentant heart. They needed to have a heart that was focused on the Lord, that was going to serve and be ready to, ready to serve the Lord. It needed to be a symbol of the heart that they had given their heart to the Lord and that they were ready to serve him. It wasn't necessarily the outward act, although they were commanded to do that. It was a change of heart. That is a trust of in God. That is a trust in that he is going to take care of us. That is, I'm going to obey what he says in my heart. That's what God's desire has always been for the people of Israel. And that's what God's desire is for us. And while they had to follow the law, thank the Lord through Jesus Christ, we no longer have to follow the law. But we still have to follow the intent of the law. And that is... To have a right heart. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 2. If you want to flip to the New Testament you can. You don't have to. Romans chapter 2 verse 29. I'm going to read it for you. Oh wait I'm in the wrong. I was thinking boy that don't look like what I remembered it saying. Let me flip back a page there. I was in chapter 3 although that would have worked. It would have worked good. All right, uh, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 29. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart by the Spirit, not the letter, that man's praise is not from man, but from God. Now, a Jew, what it talks about here, a child of God, Paul says, a Jew who is one inwardly. That is, God's child, God's chosen people are those who have a heart for him, who in their heart have trusted him. And so it's not just were you born as a Jew, but it is do you have a heart that is seeking to trust in the Lord? And he uses that phrase there, that same phrase, true circumcision is not of the visible flesh, but is something That comes from the heart, and that is the issue that God is dealing with. God wants the people of Israel to not just do a physical act, but also to have a heart that is going to trust him. It is symbolic in a physical sense, but it represents something spiritual that we are all called to do. Reading a little further, verse 9. The Lord then said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place is called Gilgal to this day. What God had done in these verses is he had restored Israel. He had already promised them that he was going to take them to the promised land. He had made the the, the promise through the people. The first group didn't listen and they didn't make it into the promised land. And now we had a new group and God is saying, All right, circumcising because I'm going to roll back the disgrace. I'm going to forgive you guys of what you did. I'm going to be true to my promise and I'm going to lead you into the promised land. And so we need to examine our hearts. We need to look at our hearts and say, are we guilty of some of the same things that maybe the the people in the wilderness are? Those times that we doubt the Lord? Those times that we are disobedient to the Lord? We're all disobedient to the Lord at some point in time or another. But God is faithful to forgive us if we come to Him. God is faithful to forgive us if we come to Him after examining our heart and saying, hold up God. There's some stuff there that shouldn't be there. I'm gossiping about people. I'm thinking thoughts that I shouldn't think. I'm saying things that I shouldn't say. I'm, I'm harboring anger, angry feelings toward people, and I don't have a heart of forgiveness, and I'm not merciful. And God, that's not what you called me to do. And so, God, forgive me for that. I want to repent of that. I want to give that to you. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we need to examine our heart. Sometimes we need to have that circumcision of the heart that we see in Romans chapter 2 verse 29. And when we do that, we receive that same forgiveness. We receive that same restoration that we see the people of Israel get time after time. Because time after time, they're disobedient to God. And guess what? He keeps on delivering them. There are some who don't turn to Him. There are some keeping on living in disobedience and they face hard times. But those who are faithful, those who are faithful to seek him out and say, Look, Lord, I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to obey you. I'm going to continue to seek you. I'm going to continue to search you out for restoration. God is faithful for those if we seek him. And we need to examine our hearts and seek him to make sure that our heart's where it needs to be. And if not, we need to pray for a heart transplant and say, Look, Lord Jesus, I need you to come in and heal what's there that shouldn't be there. And I need you to open me up so that I can do what you call me to do. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these words tonight. And I pray that you would help us to examine our heart. And sometimes that's a scary thing, dear Lord. We don't want to because deep down inside we know what's in there. God, And sometimes we do things with a pure heart and our heart's right. And sometimes, God, our heart's pretty pretty ugly. At least mine is, dear Lord. And so I pray that you would... uh, Forgive me for being a hypocrite, because God, so many times I say the right thing, but I don't always do them. So I pray that you would forgive me for that, dear Lord. I pray that you would help me and help each one in here, that we would examine our own lives, dear Lord, that we would know what you say to do, and that we would not just know it, but that we would do it, that we would not just preach it, but that we would do it, dear Lord. And so I pray that you would restore us tonight, God, if there is one in this place that uh Is having some problems, is struggling with sin, that they would come to you, that they would seek you out, that they would ask for your forgiveness to know that you are faithful to forgive them, that you are faithful to restore them. Maybe they've lost their joy in you, God, because uh, that sin has just uh, messed up uh, their relationship between you and them. But I I pray, God, that they would come to you, that they would seek you, and that they would be restored, and that the joy of their salvation would be restored, and that they would uh, just rejoice in you and praise you Because of what you do. In Jesus name I ask it. Amen. Amen.